Hey everyone, welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, where you can hear our latest teachings and conversations. This is week six and the final week of our series, Your Grandparents Weren't Crazy, and it's been a lot of fun, this series. It's been intense at times, and I feel, uh, we all feel, I think, that we've moved forward as a church. It's been good for us to be talking about faith in the book of Hebrews, and maybe we'll come back to the book of Hebrews at some time and take a deeper dive into Hebrews. It's why men should make their wives coffee, Hebrews. See, that was worth getting up for and wearing a mask. Um, Next Sunday, Pastor John is going to uh, be preaching as we kick off a new series on prayer. And then in the the evening, another evening service with his dad, Dan Lamus, will be here. Dan Lamus, uh, I've known since uh, I went to college in the, well, a long time ago, we won't say when. And uh, Dan is a giant of prayer and has a true gift and and an understanding about the things of prayer on another level. And when he talks and teaches about prayer, people listen because he's a man of prayer. He knows what he's talking about. He's got a rich experience with God. And he will just unpack some of those things for us next Sunday night. Nothing to be afraid of. No one's going to put you on the spot and say, now let's hear you pray uh, in front of a big group or anything like that. It'll be laid back. There'll be some Q&A and that sort of thing. And uh, so that's next Sunday night. And then uh, a week after that uh, Sunday morning, Pastor Adam, our preaching guru, our master of preaching, Pastor Adam, no pressure, Adam, uh, will be speaking to us. So John next Sunday morning, and then Adam the morning after that. And Gail and I are going to get away for a week and go someplace where someone else can make the coffee for us. And uh, so we're going to get a little time, a little time off. Um, so let's, before we go forward this morning, let's back up just a little bit and get a little context as to why the writer's words in Hebrews chapter 11 would have been so encouraging to that first group of people who heard those words read out loud for the very first time, okay? So we're just going to back up to chapter 10 of Hebrews in verses 32, 33, and 34, which say, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Now, terrible suffering is not having to wear a mask. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. When all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So that's the context of 
the, the genesis of this thing that you and I call church that we are a part of right now. You're a part of that group right there who suffered and endured even when everything was taken from them, even when they were beaten, even when they were uh, imprisoned for their faith and they received all those things with joy. You're, you're a part of that crazy bunch right there, okay? A part of the church. You know, the, imagine the invitation back then. Come follow Jesus. You'll probably lose everything and be beaten. <laughs> and yet, people were. They were joining the church daily because of a very real and personal encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And they weren't crazy. And your grandparents who follow Jesus, they weren't crazy, and you're not crazy for following Jesus. So when the author gets to chapter 11, it starts naming these heroes of the faith, especially, I think, as it, it builds towards the end of chapter 11. I think, I, I mean, I, I don't really know for sure, but I just think that as they heard these, these words and these names being read out loud in their homes, and as they copied this letter and passed it around to other churches and said, here, you know, get this and read this to your people. And I think as they, as they memorized these words and taught them to their, their children, I think that they rejoiced. I think that they worshiped. I think that they celebrated. Um, I think the repetition of these very real names, as, they, as the writer started to name real people from their history, who followed God by faith through anything and through everything. I just think as they read those names that people just had to find that so encouraging that this is who we're a part of. And those people weren't crazy and we're not crazy and we're going to keep on following Jesus even if they make us wear a mask to church. We're going we're gonna to go to church and we're going to, you know, we're, good, we're just going to get through it, okay? And uh, so you're not crazy this morning. Okay, let's get into today's text. It is a crazy, crazy good piece of scripture. Are you ready? This side. It's always this side. <laughs> Hebrews 11, verse 31. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, they quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And yeah, don't worry about your little mask. Okay? And others were killed with the sword. 
Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us, so that they could not reach perfection without us. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Is that not good? That is good. From Abel to Rahab, from creation to prostitution. Hello? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 begins with Abel. From Abel, that's the garden, from Abel to Rahab, from creation to prostitution. And you can bet that there were days earlier in Rahab's life when no one would have predicted that she would one day be written into God's word as one of the heroes of our faith. No one would have said to her, God's really going to use you someday. Right? It just, it wouldn't have happened. A great reminder this morning, your life is not defined by your lowest moments or your worst decisions. <clears throat> that was so weak. It's like, pitch, pitch, pitch. oh, that was good. <laughs> your life is not defined by your lowest moments or your worst decisions. Your past and your regrets do not determine your value. And <laughs> that's good news. That's good news. So, Scripture makes no attempt to cover up Rahab, pun intended. She's not remembered as Rahab the informant or Rahab the hider of spies. Scripture wants you to know that she is Rahab the prostitute because these writers, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, want you to know and remember that God can and God does use anybody. He can redeem, he can restore, he can rebuild anyone and any life, and there is no situation that is beyond the reach of God's amazing grace. Isn't that great? Imagine, so imagine you're in a room and someone says, we have a new letter, and you're all excited, and you're gathered together in someone's house, and somebody unscrolls a, a, a scroll that we now know is the book of Hebrews, and they start reading it out loud in the room, okay? The kids are there. They're not downstairs. Everybody's there, right? Abel, woo! Enoch, yeah! Noah, yes! Abraham, yeah! Sarah, woo! Isaac, yeah! Joseph, woo! Moses, yeah! Rahab, who? <laughs> what? <laughs> Did he say? Read it again. 
Rahab, are you sure? Yes. Like that Rahab? Yeah, that, she's, <laughs> Rahab, <laughs> okay, all right then. And maybe, maybe there was a lady sitting in the room who felt disgraced about her past. And when she heard Rahab's name spoken out loud in that list, her heart filled with joy. Because he is a God of love. He is merciful and gracious and kind and forgiving. And I will serve him with everything, even if it costs me my all. Maybe, as they read that out loud, someone in the room was having an affair. Maybe someone had been stealing. Maybe there was someone there with a, with a wayward child. And they cheered more in their heart for Rahab than they did for Abraham because they could relate with, a, with Rahab. You see, our story isn't just creation and Abel or miracles or great things accomplished by people who seem bigger than life. Our story is also God speaking into the heart of a prostitute and using her as the hero in his story of Jericho. And there were walls that had to fall in Rahab's life before the walls of Jericho could fall. If you don't know the story, go back in the Old Testament and find it. It's, it's, it's awesome. Church is a place where prostitutes are welcome. You're wearing a mask, so I can't see you go. <laughs> and if you still have walls around that, those walls need to fall. See, we build walls when we think someone else's sin is worse than ours. God help us, right? So any, anyone, any person who comes through our door, we, we should be, there should be no walls. We, we think we're protecting the church sometimes when we're actually killing it. And people who aren't like you, they see walls when they think of church, and that's a problem. For the sake of time, we won't go back and read 32 to 38 again, but there are two, it's split right in half. There are two groups of heroes between 32 and 38. The first group, I will serve God even if I die, and the second group, I will serve God while I die. There's two different groups there. And the first group saw like tremendous, phenomenal, incredible miracles and God saved them and the second group didn't. And God was with them. I will serve God if I die and I will serve God while I die. There are conquering heroes in the first group and there are suffering heroes in the second group. And the list of people, if you, if you studied each of these names, you would see and learn that you can be less than perfect, you can goof up big time, you can even have a major moral collapse, and God will still defeat your enemies. Or you can be a saint and be burned at the stake for your faith. Well, isn't that good news? The goof-ups 
get the miracles, and the saints get sawed in half. Well, isn't that just wonderful? It isn't that life. I'd like to know how many times in my years of ministry that someone has come to me and said, what am I doing wrong? Like, I just, I just feel like I'm doing everything that I should and everything I'm supposed to and everything God's asking, but, but I'm not getting the results. I'm not seeing the results. What am I, what am I doing wrong? Because it, it feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? If, if we're honest this morning, we'd say that sometimes it feels as though you are being more faithful than God. I'll be honest, you're in church. And you felt like, I'm doing everything right. It would be good, hello, if you would do your part. Like, you know, this is how this thing's supposed to work here. Hello! I'm doing everything right. Let's go here. Let's, let's, let's get some answers. But behavior is not a predictor of reward in faith. Say it again. Behavior is not a predictor of reward in faith. It is with my dog. You're a good girl. Do you want a treat? You've done nothing. Do you want a treat? You've been laying there all day. Do you want a treat? Right? <laughs> It's not with God, but it is with my dog. Because with God, we simply don't understand reward in his economy. And we, d we just don't see the big picture. You, 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 what you see is like watching a, a baseball game through a hole in a fence. You do not see the big picture. We don't see what God is up to in our lives. Now, like your reward, you don't get to choose what it is. Your reward for being faithful might be that you get to wait a little longer and you don't see that as reward, right? Like you think, I'm already patient enough. I don't need to be more patient, you know. But your reward might be that you get to wait a little longer, your character as you wait and pray and trust God when there are no answers, that might be the gift that someone else is watching. Maybe your grandkids are watching that. It, that might be the thing. Your character as you wait might be the thing that leads your grandkids or someone else to Jesus. And you don't see it now, but it's big and it's beautiful and it's more valuable than any earthly reward. See, right, who you are becoming is what's most important, and people are watching that. Now, I'd like to be, if I could choose, I'd like to be in the first group, the conquering heroes, right? If I, if I could choose. But I, you don't get to choose which group you're, you're in, right? You don't, you don't get to choose. So if you're here today and you're on the suffering side, it doesn't mean that God is not with you. Read 32 to 38 again. Some of them saw incredible victories and some of them were, you know, how it ended. So faith is faith, whether you serve God if I die or if I serve God while I die. There's a, a piece right in the middle of verse 34 
that says their weakness was turned to strength. And I love it. This, this, this is who God is. This is what God does. Your weakness. Put your name in there. My weakness turned to strength. This is who God is. This is what God does. Your spiritual lineage is tied to these people right here who they were not perfect. Uh, they weren't big enough or brave enough or smart enough. They didn't have all the weapons. They did not have or possess the biggest armies. They faced immense odds and huge giants and unthinkable persecution. And when it was time for them to stand up to the enemy or to stand up for their God, God took their weakness and he made it their strength. Their weakness became, was turned into their strength. And there's a, there's a resolve, there's a spirit in this text that we need, to, we need to get this morning and take with us as we leave this service and this series, this idea that God can take my weakness and he can make it into my strength. Many of your grandparents had, they had that kind of, that spirit, that depth of faith, that kind of, that kind of strength, that, <clears throat> that I shall not be, I shall not be. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And by faith you stand up to your fear, your anxiety. By faith you stand up to that thing that is threatening your family, that addiction, that temptation, that thing from the past that keeps rearing its ugly head. By faith, you stand up to it like a mighty warrior because Gideon's God is with you and David's God is on your side and you and God are bigger, you're a bigger army than the enemy ever wants to face because he takes... He turns our weakness into strength. Why do you think you are weak? That is not in Scripture. You are not weak. God makes weak things strong. He takes your weakness, and he makes it your strength. One more, and then we can think about Thanksgiving dinner. Verse 35 says that women received their loved ones back from the dead. This would have reminded people of stories like Elisha and the Shunammite woman. Now look, keep that in mind, and then I'm going to read verses 39 and 40 again. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. Now verse 39. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. God had something better in mind for us. There is a better, there's a better resurrection. There's a better resurrection than even receiving your child back from the dead. It's hard to believe. It's, there's something better than standing in the furnace like Shadrach and Meshach and their brother Abednego. And, 
and not being burned. The writer says, it's good. Those things, all those things that God did was good, but there's a better resurrection that's coming. Better than closing the mouths of lions or surviving a great flood. And Hebrews encourages you and me today to keep looking forward, to keep our eyes on Jesus. I read that this morning and I thought, literally, as I read this text in the beginning of this sermon, I thought to myself, I've got to keep my eyes less on watching the news and more on Jesus. That ran through my mind. Keep looking ahead. There's a gang, there's a better resurrection coming. Don't forget that this, this mess is temporary. This place is not your home. God has something better. You're going to see your loved ones again. You're going to a place where there is no more pain and no more tears. In one of these days, you and I will will breathe our last of this earth's oxygen. And when God closes that door, we will be resurrected and we will see Jesus and it will be worth it all. Let's pray.